and welcome to another edition of Logical, the legal podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalava and Plethka, and still the Gulf region's first and only regular legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott. I'm here at the firm's offices in Reef Tower in JLT, the Jumeirah Lakes Towers District. And here is the firm's managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalava. Socially distanced as we still are, Ludmilla, but it's always good to see you. Great to see you too, Tim. Thanks for being back. Now, in this edition of Logical, we're going to break down contracts, what they are, how they work in this age of communication via social media and WhatsApp, and much, much more. Now, the, the classic image of a contract, Ludmilla, for most of us is a printed, perhaps bound uh, bunch of sheets of paper peppered with legal jargon that many of us, yourself, uh, withstanding, uh, probably don't understand, uh, a number of signatures and stamps. Now, classically, that's kind of what constitutes uh, a contract. Here's what Dictionary.com defines a contract as, a written or spoken agreement, especially one concerning employment, sales or tenancy that is intended to be enforceable by law. Pretty much covers the basis, I think it's reasonable to say, but there is uh, I'm guessing a lot more to it in these information age days. Am I right to say that? Well, yes and no. A contract in a way is um, a fairly simple proposition. Uh, number one, a contract is voluntary. Uh, in other words, you cannot force me to get into a contract with you. Right. And I cannot force you to stay in the contract with me. Uh, so it's a voluntary instrument and it can be as complex or as simple as we want it to be. But there are, for a contract to be valid, there are a few basic elements, uh, which in many ways, and that going back to your original question, they have not changed very much. These elements have not changed. So therefore, the field of, of contract law and contract interpretation has more or less remained the same over the last uh, perhaps since, since its inception, uh, though the types of contracts that are used uh, in sort of today's society uh, have changed. Uh, in some ways, they've become more complex. In other ways, they've become a lot simpler. Uh, so, but generally speaking, as you rightfully pointed out, the perhaps uh, the expectation and perception of many that for a contract to exist, there has to be a formally looking, a formal looking document that ultimately either has uh, words, big words like contract or agreement and, ha and has to include a lot of jargon and legalese, uh, which is barely understandable by you know, those who draft, uh, let alone those who are actually supposed to be parties to it. Right. And that's kind of the general, uh, perhaps, perception or expectation uh, that we continue to run into. And perhaps this is where this um, belief that a contract has to be something complex comes from. But in fact, our philosophy and my, my, my sort of personal professional philosophy and practice has been that the more complex a transaction the simpler the contract must be. And that's because at the end, it is an instrument, uh, a commercial instrument, a voluntary instrument between two or more parties that uh, should serve as um, a roadmap, as uh, a list, a, so a checklist of parties' respective rights and obligations. And therefore, in simple terms, it has to be understandable by those who actually sign it and not by those who draft 
The reality, however, is that most contracts, and then I, I find it quite sad and regret, regretful that still to this day, most contracts are drafted in a way that uh, are just include too, too much jargon, too much legalese. And it's very difficult even for legal practitioners who did not draft to understand, though I would even suggest that uh, in most cases, even those who draft them don't understand. But certainly, they're not very helpful to those who become parties to to um, the contract. Uh, so that's kind of answering your question in in a sort of two sided way. On the one hand, it's um, it, it's complex, but on the other hand, the more complex it is, the the more simple it it should be. I mean, it always seems as though it's is henceforth and hitherto and upon this day, the the seventeenth day of March, seventeen ninety. It, it, it's almost we view it through that kind of lens. But the, the simple fact is, you can enter into a contract now in different ways, and it's al- almost the method of delivery which, in some ways, has changed. You could enter into a contract in person via WhatsApp, via email. Um, or through other means of communication well, these days. Uh, for sure. And you're absolutely right. And this is why, in um, for all those reasons and other reasons, these fancy for, uh, terms like henceforth, therefore, uh, notwithstanding and such, are much less relevant these days. Because mm. I mean, what is, generally speaking, what is a contract? A contract has several basic elements. One has to be an offer. So I offer... To sell you my car there has right. to be an acceptance and you say yes I will buy your car uh, then you, we both of us have to have capacity uh, to actually c- conclude this transaction in other words well it, it has to be my car and not somebody else's car that I sell you and equally so you have to be you have to have capacity to actually be able to buy the car so let's say if you are mentally not well and not quite in your state, right state of mind, then perhaps you and you should not be entering into these kinds of um, transactions. So capacity is another element. Uh, then there has to be consideration. So I, and consideration basically means uh, exchange of, uh, of value. So I offer you a car, my car, and now you have to give me consideration, i.e. some kind of compensation for the value of my car. Right. Now, consideration is an extremely important element in, in all contracts. And in fact, for a contract to be valid, there always has to be consideration. And consideration has to be proportionate to the value which you receive. So I give you my car, and uh, so your consideration for my car cannot be one dirham because that's not really proportionate to the value that you receive. So it has to be more or less corresponding with what the benefit you're receiving. That's what consideration is, is how consideration is defined. Now, consideration does not have to be money. So it could be something else. So I give you my car, and you give me your watch. Uh, in exchange, or <laughs> not, not the best deal with the watch I have on today. Let you me. don't know what kind of car I'm offering you. <laughs> I may be offering you a toy car. It's a good point. <laughs> so, uh, so it could be it could be money. It could be some kind of a barter deal. So it could be, right. um, for example, a watch or some other piece of jewelry. It could be your house in exchange for my car. Uh, so that's what that's consideration. Uh, then there has to be what's often referred to as a mutuality of obligations. In other words, a contract cannot be one-sided. There has to be, a, a, that's presuming that we have two sides. There has right. to be both of us have to have some sort of obligation to each other. So it cannot be that my, my only obligation here is to give you the car by such and such date. Well, what's your obligation to me? So your obligation is to pay me money for the car. 
Uh, and there's another element in the contract is that the contract has to be definitive in scope. And whether in this particular case, for example, it cannot be that um, I offer you my car, but that we don't specify the price for the car. So in this particular case, the, uh, the, the definite term that's required is the price for the car. If, for example, it's a contract for building a property, there it has to be price and time. Because it cannot be that I will build you a property or a house and then you pay me a million dollars, but the timeline for when I'm supposed to give you this house is not stated in the contract. So because if that were the case, then maybe, okay, you give me my, your million dollars now, but I will give you my uh, this, this house in 100 years. So that's what's referred to as as a definitive um, scope of a contract. So ultimately, these are kind of the, the elements of what make a contract a contract. Perhaps it sounds simple, perhaps it sounds complicated, but in the general gist of it is for a contract to be enforced, it has to have all those elements. Now, how you specify or spell out or define those elements in today's day and age, it truly varies the the, uh, fairly broad gamut. So as you rightfully pointed out, we can start from a very sophisticated looking, a properly drafted and a very beefy legal document that says, I'm a contract and I have these very fancy terms uh, that various people can understand. Uh, And that could be a very well drafted and a very important contract. Or it could just be Tim and I, we're sitting in a park and you look at my car and say, hey, I like your car. And I say, okay, I'll, I'll sell it to you. And say, okay, are you sure? Yes. I, I say, yes, I'm sure. Okay, I'll sell you for 50,000 dirhams and say, that's great. I'm going to go get a loan. I'll get this 50,000 dirhams to buy your car. And that's it. That's all we have. So it's oral. And... Um, uh, and so now that's that's a contract. And so that these are, I guess, two two extremes. One is a very, very formal contract that is documented in thousands of pages of, of uh, documents in terms and conditions and exhibits and attachments. And then the other one uh, that's um, just it's oral and there's there are no documents to prove anything. Yet both of those contracts are contracts and both of them are enforceable. Now, the difference is, is, okay, what are you enforcing? In the first case, where you have thousands of pages of documents, you know what you're enforcing because there's thousands of pages of terms and conditions that you can argue. So in the other case, where it's an oral contract, what are we enforcing? And so it becomes a matter of proof. So what are we, uh, how, what were the terms of our agreement? Now, just because those are not spelled out on paper does not make it less enforceable. It just becomes a more complicated job of actually proving that A, we had a contract and B, what the terms of the contract were. But it's not impossible. So let's take that scenario and think through, okay, so how would you prove that contract for a car uh, sale? You could go, let's say you send me a message the next day on WhatsApp, say, well, Thanks for agreeing to sell your car yesterday. Uh, relying on your representation, I went and I um, I borrowed money from a friend of mine for X percent interest or something, and and so I've got money for you. And um, and then and I say okay, or I say nothing, and then you show up and you give me your, and you offer your money, and I say hey, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't sell, I didn't tell you that I was going to sell you a car, my car. Where is the proof? 
And then it becomes a matter of proof because then you can say, well, listen, it was, I would not have gotten this loan for the car if it weren't for your representations. Why else would I have gotten the loan and, and committed to paying extra money, i.e. interest rate, for example, for something that I would have not gotten the benefit of? So, and then it becomes more subjective. And then whatever other communications you might have, uh, uh, you might have, um, created on the back of, of that meeting, or if you had witnesses. Uh, so there are different ways of proving a contract. But in that particular case, let's say there was somebody else that's sitting next to us on the bench, and they heard this conversation. So they could offer their testimony to, uh, to prove that, yes, in fact, we did meet, we talked, and that was kind of our agreement. There could be that. There could be a whole series of communications between me by either WhatsApp, SMS, emails, uh, or what have you, showing, or even written notes, showing, yes, this is sort of what we agreed on, these are the dates and such. And now I cannot come back to you and say, well, all these paper notes and handwritten notes and paper napkins and such, they're not a contract because, look, where does it say it's a contract? That would not work. So there is a contract, and for a contract to be enforceable, it can be anything from a properly drafted agreement to a bunch of paper napkins and email correspondences and WhatsApp messages, however disjointed. And so they're equally enforceable. It's interesting, but let's go to, uh, I guess, a point I should have brought up before. When do you know that you need a contract? I mean, a contract, from what you've said, uh, involves the exchange of goods, services, money, um, it, the promise of any of those, I guess. But when do I know that I need to have uh, a contract? It's a great question. You need to have a contract when you're about to do something relying on representations that are part of this contract. So, okay. for example, you want to write a book for me or you write you want to write an agreement for me for services. And I said, yes, yes please, go ahead. So at that point, you, because you're about to commit your resources, your time, and put in your experience to write this this book. Uh, so, and that's when you know that you should actually have a contract because you're about to give something of value. You're about to commit something of your own time and resources. Uh, so that that's one example. Another example is, for example, when you want to do something, uh, you, we, you and I want to go into a partnership. And uh, I said, okay, that's, that's a great idea. So uh, I think there's a lot of promise in this partnership. Let me go and sell my car so that I can raise money to, uh, to commit to this partnership. Mm. So here I'm going to lose something as a part of, uh, of our new business venture. So this is when you should want to have a, a contract or I would want to sit down with you and, and document this because relying on these representations, I will now go and give something away of value. Uh, and uh, therefore, before you do that, before ultimately you either part with money or you part with something that's valuable to you or, or you commit time and resources, uh, there should be some, uh, some form of documenting a contract. I'm starting to think in this podcast that you actually do want to use it to sell your car. Can we just uh, have you confirm or deny this? I hope that uh, before I confirm or deny, I hope, I hope you did not understand my concept, my, my, that one of the elements which has to do with consideration. Yes, I will sell you my car for a million dollars. A point very well made. Um, look, I've got two, two questions. We, we have a, a valid contract. 
How do you memorialize uh, a valid contract? Aside from hearsay of somebody sat on the park bench next to you and I in the park talking about that car sale, for example. So how do you, how should you record uh, a contract? Um, and how do, how do you make sure that a contract is legally enforceable, that you can actually take it forward and use it for the intent for which it was uh, produced in the first place? Well, in order to, in, with regards to memorializing the contract, it could really be, and especially at this day and age, it could just be over WhatsApp. Over WhatsApp. As simple as that. As simple as that. Okay. So, for example, I want to hire you. Right. Say, so, Tim, I want to hire you. And say, so, oh, that's great. So, what are, you, what are you willing to pay? I'll pay you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. What do you want me to do? I want you to do one, two, three, four, five. Excellent. When do you want me to start? Tomorrow. Great. And you start. And let's say you're working from home and you're doing things from home for the next month. Right. And then, um, and then, at the end, you've created whatever the masterpiece that you would have created in one month, and you come to me for compensation. Uh, and I say, well, hang on a second, we don't have a contract. Do we have a contract? Uh, we do, because it's all through WhatsApp. That's right. And what? Are the, so we have, we have not only proof of contract, but we also have proof of what the terms and conditions of that contract. In other yeah. words, what we agreed on, mm. which is what. That A, you are working for me. Uh, B, that you are compensated to the tune of whatever the X amount. C, that what your responsibilities were. For example, write me a book. And then you know, D is by which time you're supposed to, uh, to produce this book. So now the terms of, of the contract are there. The, um, uh, the scope of the contract are there. They're, they are definitive. Uh, they're clear. There was an offer. There was acceptance. And there has been performance, which is you've created your book. Mm. Voila, we have a contract. There's not really much more that we require. Now, what if there is a dispute? And I think this is really why contracts are generally recommended because it's all good as long as we're both on the same page. Right. But now you've produced your masterpiece. You've come back to me and I said, okay, thanks very much for the masterpiece and uh, I'm not going to pay you because I don't, because we don't have an agreement. Or for example, I don't even take your masterpiece. So therefore I didn't receive any benefit, but that's not an excuse. So now you want to bring a case against me. Mm-hmm. Where will you bring a case? And that's why an agreement is important because let's say when all of this is happening, you're in England and I'm in America. So where do you bring your dispute in England or in America? That's a very good question. Where should I bring a dispute in that instance? Well, and my advice in, in, in most cases is that you, whenever you, this is why, first of all, you want to have a contract. And second of all, when you do draft a contract, you always want to include a provision there. It's right. in the event of a dispute, where do parties want to litigate? Now, in the event there's a dispute, where would you want to litigate? Ultimately, you want to litigate wherever it is that you can best enforce the contract. Now, enforcement comes in different ways. Enforcement comes legally, and that is legally, where do you think which legal system would benefit you most? But more importantly, commercially. So you could perhaps uh, in, enforce your this contract for between us in England, but I have no interest in England. So yes, you have a judgment from England, from British court, uh, that is against me in your favor, that grants you a million dollars, but I have no interest in England. So where are you going to enforce the contract? 
So that's one of the considerations and, one, and also one of the reasons why, again, do you want to go back to the drawing board and have some sort of a contract where you can go through these kinds of considerations ahead of time and address them in the document, not in a complicated document, in a clear document, but in a particular case, you would want to choose your forum for dispute resolution somewhere where there's leverage. Your leverage over me would be wherever it is that I reside, uh, reside because that's where I have assets. Because at the end, if there's a dispute, you want to be able, and it's dispute for money, you want to be able to uh, to recover money. And to recover money is obviously best where the other, the defaulting party actually has some something of value where you can either uh, file an enforcement case or seize those assets against a judgment. As outlandish as it seemed as an example, it makes the point really well. So it's worth remembering that a contract can take many forms. Theoretically, if two people enter into a contract together, it could be on the back of a napkin at a restaurant. As long as it's signed, that's a contract. It could be a discussion over WhatsApp, as long as there is agreement there, uh, and it's a to-and-fro conversation, as it were, uh, then that's reasonable. Let's just recap, Ludmilla. The point really is, isn't it, that entering into a contractual agreement shouldn't be entered into lightly, uh, and also that proper drafting of any contract is is extremely important. But as you've said, try to keep it as simple as possible. That's it. And in terms of what is simple, and this is how I would propose to anyone who is considering entering a contract and anybody who is in business uh, uh, should enter into contract, and I'm sure is entering the contract. And in most cases, we are all dealing with contracts on any given day. You go to a grocery store. That's a contract when you buy something. Uh, when you go to uh, an appliance store and you buy a phone, that's a contract. Uh, so if you come home and in that box there's no phone but there is uh, an iron, <laughs> that's that's a breach of contract. So even though you don't think about it, but so but generally speaking, what's a contract? One is one element in the contract that you would want to include is parties. Who are the parties to the contract? So in our case, it'd be you and me. What's the subject of the contract? I will sell you my car. That's the subject of the contract. Now, then there's always money involved. Okay, so what is the value of the contract? Uh, so my car is worth X amount. And okay, by which time do we want, by which date do we want to uh, to perform the contract? Uh, there should be a specific date. And then what if the car the car I give you doesn't work? It may not matter to you because perhaps you're buying my car for scrap. Uh, or it may matter to you. So whatever else, what, that, what other conditions may matter, you want to include those. So in this particular case, if it's a car that you want to use and you're relying on this to be operational and safe, you'd want to include those terms. And also you want to address in the event one of us defaults. So for example, either I give you a card that's not operational. What, what's the redress? What do we do? Does the, they would just go back into our respective positions or do I have the obligation to fix it? Or do we agree that I'll give you a discount? Uh, or do we agree that um, you take the car, you pay for uh, for the additional service and then I have to pay, uh, we, we, you subtract that from the price? Uh, so these are the important things that need to be addressed in the contract whenever you're talking about each other's obligations. So both sides have to have some sort of obligations. Similarly, so if we have... A contract where you say you will buy my car by such and such date. If you don't buy the car, you, you're in breach of contract. So in that case, if you have not come up with the money by a certain date, what do we do? 
do we just, just the contract just go away or do we agree ahead of time that I will give you a grace period or that there'll be a penalty or that uh, now my car will cost more money. Uh, so, and this is how contracts become a lot more complicated. Mm. But generally speaking, that's it. That's, I mean, this is it. The, the, the contract for um, sale of a car should include those general elements, parties, subject, price, and our respective rights and obligations, and what do we do in the event of default. That is another episode of Logical, and I'm never going to be buying a car from Ludmilla. That's everything <laughs> you needed to know about contracts, I think. As always, Ludmilla Yamalaba, managing partner here at Yamalaba and Pleska, uh, legal expert. Uh, appreciate your expertise. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. To have a legal question answered in a future episode of Logical or to arrange a consultation with a UAE-experienced qualified legal professional, you can WhatsApp us 0097152525 1611 or click the contact button at lylawyers.com.